Welcome to the Carl Reader Show. Hello and welcome to the Carl Reader Show and today I'm delighted to be joined by an apprentice finalist. Vanna has done some amazing things. You may, might remember her as the one who, who um, had the proposition for a dating app and Lord Sugar said something along the lines of, what if she's an Ugboat? Um, I, I, I can't remember the exact words, but Vanna, great to have you on the show. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Brilliant. So first things first, did I get that quote correct? Um, I can't remember the exact quote, so we can just pretend. <laughs> we can just pretend that. <laughs> Let's pretend it was correct. So, Vanna, so tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, okay, so... I am a New Yorker. I was born and raised in Manhattan in New York City and I have always been really passionate about business. I really as a kid I was like ready to sell my sister's toys and really get out there and do negotiations and this was at the age of like seven or eight years old. So I definitely have that business acumen kind of going through my veins. And I moved to the UK in 2009 to work in financial services. I decided that that would be a good foundation for me to like figure out what I wanted to do and also to learn about numbers and money and how transactions really work and how the markets work. So um, I was at Oxford University doing my MBA when I decided to apply for The Apprentice. And that was sort of an, an interesting moment for me um, to really learn about personal branding and to learn about how to pitch and how to tell a story in an effective way. Sure. So The Apprentice was um, clearly the first massive public milestone that you had along the journey. Um, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so it was a really great experience. I think that for me, um, it was really focused on getting the word out about date play and making people aware of date play and of this like really awesome new concept that I had. Um, the The show itself was was definitely tough. You know, you go through a lot of ups and downs, and I don't think anyone can ever be prepared for suddenly being on television, on public TV, you know, no one can really prepare you for that type of experience of like walking on the street and having people like scream your name. So that was like a very interesting part of the experience. But I think that overall, it was really positive because I learned so much about myself. Um, I think when you're in a situation that is really stressful, you have the opportunity to see your weak points and to see where, what you need to work on. So that was a really positive aspect of the apprentice experience is that the hard times, you know, often lead to the most beautiful realizations. And I know this is a cliche phrase, but it's really always darkest before the dawn. Absolutely. So The Apprentice, I, so I'm speaking as a viewer of the programme. It looks like it's really hard work and really tough. Uh, are the early mornings as early as they seem on TV? Yeah, so the early mornings are really early. Um, <laughs> they are, they're tough, but I don't think that waking up early is the hardest part of the experience. Um, I think that I always relate it, I always try to relate it to something that um, 
the public can understand or someone who hasn't been on the show can understand because obviously there's only a handful of people who ever do this crazy thing which is reality tv so the way i would put it the the way i would frame it actually is that it's hard to always be on so you're you're always switched on and it's hard to know that everything that you record can and will be held against you <laughs> you know like every single thing that you put out there can be utilized in whatever way you know it, it, it should be it can be utilized maybe in a way that you didn't expect so you always have to be aware of that and i think that was the real eye-opener for me is that you have full control over your personal brand right and you need to make sure to act in a way that is aligned with what you want in the future and who you want to be so you're absolutely right the uh, you know the personal brand side of this is potentially at jeopardy particularly if you get caught off guard by the camera and so on um overall were you happy with how you were portrayed on the show yeah i think that i don't really believe in looking backwards i really believe in the power of looking forward so i believe that every single thing in life happens for a reason and anything that did that was portrayed as maybe more negative or something that i thought could have been portrayed differently i think was actually a really big learning lesson for me so sure. the times that I, I always hear this from my father he always tells me you know if someone says something to you and it really hits you hard it's not as much about that person as it is about yourself and your reaction to it, right? So there were some things in the show where I saw myself and I was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like I wish I wish I hadn't seemed so like bossy or so forceful or, you know, I, I saw myself, I, I kind of got upset at that moment, but I think it was because I had to look within myself to figure out, you know, why was I acting that way? Like, what made me so angry in that moment? Or what made me act in such a bossy manner? And I've actually had a really big learning experience from that. So, yeah, there were times where I was disappointed, but I don't blame anyone but myself. Brilliant. And you, I mean, you've alluded to the fact that The Apprentice is effectively a personal branding exercise. And we've seen a number of contestants go through The Apprentice process for different reasons. But, you know, it certainly has helped some and helped others. Um, it was clear to me, and I'm not wanting to lead a question here, but I hope you would agree, that you actually went into it with a business mind rather than perhaps a media personality mind. Totally. Yeah, I went in there and I think the advice I always give people when they ask me if they should go on the show is only go on if you truly want to make your business work. Because this is an amazing, beautiful, powerful platform, but it shouldn't be utilized in the wrong way. And people can see through your intentions. So I just think it's important to have that utmost integrity with yourself and like really figure out why you're going on and only go on if you're going on for true and honest reasons. Right. So that was really important to me. I really went on there for date play. I really wanted to spread the word about, you know, this new way of interacting and a new way of connecting people rather than focusing on myself at all. So that was that was my approach. Obviously, everyone has their own journeys and their own ways of doing things. So I don't think anyone, you know, can tell you what to do. But I do think it's important if you're going to apply to go onto the show to do a little bit of soul searching and do a little bit of digging and like, really figure out like what do you want out of this and why you're actually doing it because 
you'll get the best possible experience if you are really doing it with integrity and doing it for your business itself. Fantastic. Now, um, as you know, Vanu, I was actually at the recording of the final, um, which was, I, I guess, sort of March, April time. And the show went live, I think, I think it starts at about October. So there's, there's a bit of a gap. Um, what, what happens in between? You, do, do, you get, do you get clips? Do you get to see what's coming up? Or Well, I think that the, the recording, the, the pitch that I gave was actually in June. And then it launched in October. So it's really just a few months or, or maybe it was, yeah, I think it was June, May or June and then October. So during those few months was a time that I created the wine brand. So I created, I don't know if you've seen, I, I sell a wine through Virgin Wines. It's called Vino by Vana and it's a low calorie fruit flavored wine. And that was actually created during the downtime because I wasn't allowed to work on the dating so i had to come up with something else that could be relevant yes. so i thought wine and dating kind of went well together and um, my my co-founder and i who's actually also my husband uh joris we worked on that together and it was really cool to like bring something to life so it gave us yes. a little project we, we were in um the south of france creating the product creating the branding and then pitching it to all the different suppliers and distributors to see if they wanted to sell our product. So that was a, a really cool and awesome experience and a great exercise in branding, right? We had to create a brand from scratch, so it was cool. And I'm curious, did you see an uplift? Um, so you built the brand during the downtime. Did you see an uplift when the show went live? Definitely, definitely. We definitely saw a, we got a lot of publicity and, um, I do think it was it was really powerful to have that product go live at the at the final. So yeah, it was a it was a really cool experience. Fantastic. So um, now now for the launch of the show, I guess. So the show kicks off as you say September October time and runs up until Christmas. How how was it seeing yourself on the big screen? Ooh, um, it was. I know myself, so I, I actually did something very strategic. Um, I knew that I wouldn't like being in the public eye, really, and I knew I wouldn't really enjoy seeing myself on the big screen. So um, my husband and I actually moved to Barcelona while the show was being aired. He's from there. So, yeah, so we actually lived in Barcelona for the whole um, the whole season, really, while it was on air. And that was really great. Actually, some people in Barcelona would recognize me, which was funny. But obviously, it wasn't to that same extent. Um, I really, there's something I, re I really realized after the show, which is that I only wanted to be well-known and famous for my successes. And I think that was something that I was grappling with. I felt like I was going to, you know, have this spot in the limelight but not necessarily at the right time like i wanted to be recognized for my business success and actually making something awesome and huge and impactful so that was the reason that i sort of took a little bit of a hiatus and tried to move away a little bit just so i didn't have to feel that prematurely so i'm still hoping that you know and I'm, i still believe that my business will one day get me there to have that success but i didn't want to have it until I really reach that that pinnacle of business success.
if that makes of sense. Of course. <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely does. And I think you've teed me up very nicely for my next question, um, which is the fact that your um, business pitch to Lord Sugar was actually, for me, was very different and was a, a, a proper pitch that you might hear to a VC, for example, in that you were asking for um, seed investment for something that can be much bigger. Whereas typically the um, the pitch is for um, £250,000 to sol solve all of the problems and to be the last round of funding. Um, clearly, you had ambitions beyond The Apprentice and were using that as the first step. H how do you feel that was received? Um, I think that... Uh, there's something else I should mention, which is that I never had watched The Apprentice before having gone on The Apprentice, okay? So I never once watched not even one episode prior to going on the show because I knew that that would be, it would influence me and, and it would change the way I approached it. So I didn't really realize that before I went on. And now reflecting on it, maybe that's true, but I never really saw it that way. I really... I never really saw that as clearly as maybe the viewers might. I really saw that there were just different types of businesses and some did want to become these sort of big business empires. I think the one difference was that I was doing a technology business, an app, and it was much more risky and much more, um, yeah, it was a, a bigger punt. So I think that was probably that was probably something I didn't realize is that maybe um, the business ideas that were a little bit more conservative had a higher chance of winning. Yes, and I think I think you're absolutely right. It's a bigger punt, and also two hundred and fifty thousand pounds for a tech business. It's not a lot of money. Um, whilst it's a whilst it's a lot of money when you say it for a tech business, it can be burned through very quickly. So. In the U yeah, in the U.S., it's really not like a, a round of two hundred and fifty is really small for for tech. So you're right; you're exactly right on that. So, so tell me a bit about date play, um, so that the listeners who perhaps didn't see you on The Apprentice understand a bit about this business we've been talking about. Yeah, so date play is basically the whole idea is that you play games to meet your match. So. The original idea was to have a standalone app where basically you would um, you would play with the people that you would meet. And I think the reason that that was so compelling is that playing games actually allows you to interact in a different novel new way. So rather than just swiping and texting and writing these messages, you have a different dimension that you're connecting on. So that's that's date play in a nutshell. It's evolved a bit since then, but you'll see you'll see that evolution soon. That's something I have to keep under wraps. Fantastic, fantastic. So, um, Apprentice had finished. Um, you had um, shied away from the limelight to some extent, but Date Play was coming to launch, and you kicked off a crowdfunding campaign. Yes. So I did a crowdfunding campaign on Cedars, which was a really great experience, um, and I consider my angels on the site to be my brand evangelist to be you know the people who stood by me from the beginning so i value them so so greatly and yeah it was a really cool exercise to build that brand in the funding limelight so actually being able to develop what we were creating while we were fundraising so that was a really awesome experience and i do think everything goes back to branding 
So I, I've talked yes. about branding a few times during this call, but it's not just personal branding, right? It's about a company's brand. It's about understanding what your company is making people feel, what your company is actually portraying in terms of mission and vision and what your company has as its values. So that's something that I think a lot about. That's what kind of keeps me up at night. And since launching Dateplay, we've actually launched another um, platform called Deep and it's D-E-P, so Deep by Dateplay. And what we do is we do conscious dating. So we help people by coaching them through the dating process and helping them meet people with a kind of helping hand. So they have someone helping them through the through the whole experience. So we definitely are not just passionate about connecting people through games, but it's a bigger theme, right? The bigger theme sure. is that we want to connect people in an authentic way. Authenticity is something that we lose. Uh, we're losing a lot nowadays with the internet, with all this information we're getting. You know, there's a lot of fake news. People are constantly you know, reading things and getting misinformation. So what we really want is for people to be able to date authentically and to keep that authenticity in their relationships. Brilliant. I, so I've, I've, got a, I've got a question about the crowdfunding, but you, you'll learn about me very quickly, Banner, but I um, do tend to bounce around a little bit. Um, I, just, I just want to rewind, um, actually, to before the, um, before the whole apprentice journey, um, you obviously had date play in mind. What was it that attracted you to the world of dating? Oh, yeah. So I actually wasn't really attracted to it. It, it kind of just happened. So when I was working in banking, I came up with this concept called the City Street, and the City Street is a networking tool for financial services professionals. And I would have these events. So you would go onto the citystreet.com, you would sign up, and then I would have these networking events if you were a member and you would be invited to basically meet the other members. And it was supposed to be all professional networking. It was when LinkedIn just started as well. And it turned into something a little bit different. So people were actually going to these events and they wanted to date the people they were meeting. So I got approached by another banker who had started a – a dating company and he basically said hey can you talk to me we should just make together so that's sort of how my how I ended up like really delving into dating and really understanding you know the world of matchmaking so that's something that I did <laughs> yeah which kind of allowed me to see yeah almost by accident and I think that is something that I always tell young people I speak a lot to Arsenal community and to you know, the teenagers um, all around the UK who are looking to get into business. And I always tell them this, that like, you can have a plan, but you have to also expect your twists and turns to not necessarily be what you planned. And sometimes those are the most fortuitous and the best ones. Definitely. So back to the crowdfunding, and I'm sorry for jumping back, but um, curiosity got the better of me. Um, so the crowdfunding process, um, what would you do differently if you approached it again? Um, the crowdfunding process is all about planning, right? So planning as much as you possibly can. And the planning is not just one dimensional. You have to plan your video, you have to plan your overall communication, you have to plan your PR campaign, you have to plan who you're going to get as your initial investors. So uh, yeah, th that was hard. It was very hard to plan all that simultaneously because you really want to go in with a bang. You want to be launching and have everything in place and ready. So I think that I don't know if I would have done anything very differently. Um, I think 
that the most important thing is to make sure that you have all your ducks in order and make sure that you're ready for the crowdfunding experience and for what it entails and for actually, you know, speaking to investors and talking about your business. So I think crowdfund, that was something that I think we did quite well. Um, we had this woman working for us named Felicia, who was awesome. She was really talented in social media and marketing. And she really helped us make sure that all our, uh, that we were like, fully ready for the campaign. Um, that's something that is always difficult, right? Especially when you're a small business owner, planning is hard and it's annoying yes. and it's really tedious, but it's really important and you really have to do it. And I think that's probably been my biggest learning, not just in crowdfunding, but also in business is that you need to plan. You need to have a strategy, a plan and a large big picture so that you can act on, you know, the details. You can't just go in and wing it. You really have to have it, a real clear idea of what needs to get done. So, Oh, Vanna, you've ruined my next book. Oh, really? Sorry. <laughs> no, you've pretty much summed up my model of dream plan, do review. Um, and so many people skip the planning and skip the reviewing. Yeah, they, they, have, they have an idea, dive into action and wonder why it goes wrong. Yeah, so that's really interesting that you say that because I think that you asked me what I learned from the crowdfunding or what I would do differently in the crowdfunding. And frankly, not really much, okay? But what I would do differently in my business is another question. So I think that the hardest part about launching your business is reviewing and iterating and changing based on what people want and need. So... Uh, we can give, I'll just give the example that I know best, which is the dating app, right? If you're launching a dating app, you don't just want to launch and then, you know, take it from there. You want to really launch and then talk to your users and keep talking to them until you refine the product to make something that they really love. And I think this is the same in like a restaurant business, for example, you know, refining your menu and like figuring out what your customers are actually enjoying. What, what ambiance do they like? What music do they like? And it's not just by winging it and hoping and praying that it works out, right? You need to actually be conscious and be detail oriented and focus on those things. And that's actually how deep the, the new platform that we created came to life. It's because we did user testing, we did interviews, and what we found is that people wanted coaches. So there were people who wanted games, but then there were other people who really wanted to have a coach to kind of stand by them through the process. So that was, that's really important. And I think what you just said, that review phase is something that no one talks about, right? You have to review it's and boring. iterate and change. It's boring, isn't it? It's boring, but it's so vital because um, you know what they say about m making mistakes over and over again. Totally. And, you know, eventually, I think if you learn from your mistakes, eventually you'll build something huge. Does that make sense? Like, if you look at startup founders who succeed, usually they fail a few times before succeeding, right? And it's not because you need to fail a few times before succeeding. What it is, is that you need to learn each time you fail. So each time you fail, you need to learn from your experience so that you can actually make it better the next time. So that's something that I think is really important. And I, I talk a lot about it to teenagers who are just getting into the world of work. You have to be prepared for failure and failure is just a part of life, right? But you have to learn from that failure. If you don't learn from the failure, it's a wasted failure. And failures are valuable. 
because failure is actually what lead you to success. Yes, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, I, I think all of us are a collection of failures, but as long as you're learning along the way, that's the key thing. Um, Vanna, I'm going to dive into the rapid fire questions now, if that's okay. And let's start with a tricky one, uh, which, will, which will make you think a little bit. So if you were to design a mastermind group with three other people, now they can be dead or alive, um, fictional, non-fictional, who, who would you choose? Okay, I would choose... Um, let me think about this one. I would choose Beyonce. Okay. Because I like that she's a planner. She plans things. I would choose... Um, Mo Farah, the marathon runner. Okay. And I would... Or not just marathon. He's a, he's a runner. And then I would choose... Teresa May. And I would choose these three people, not because of my political inclinations in any way, but because I believe that it's important to speak with people who've gone through adversity. So I yes. would want to speak to people, to these three people, to understand how they've overcome adversity. Beyonce had adversity in her personal life. Mo Farah has had adversity. You know, when you're an athlete, you have adversity and failure constantly. And Theresa May obviously is going through a lot of hardship right now. So I really, mm. I believe in the power of getting through hard times. And I do believe it's really important to have mentors and advisors to help you get through them. Definitely. And, um, you know, that, that grouping there, um, they're all new names, by the way. Nobody's mentioned um, e either of those people before. Uh, but you, you've got persistence, you've got resilience, uh, you've got the power of harnessing crowds, and they've all done it. Mm -hmm, exactly. So that's, that's fantastic. So the next question, um, what is the book that you've recommended to the most people to read? I do a lot of career advising, so I always okay. recommend this one book um, to people who are looking for a career change or thinking about a career change, and it's called What Color Is Your Parachute? And okay. um, it's, it's really powerful because it has like a workbook type thing. And then there's another book that I always recommend to people thinking about going to entrepreneurship, and that's called The 10% Entrepreneur by Patrick McGinnis. And The 10% okay. Entrepreneur is basically, it's all about taking 10% of your time and devoting it to business and devoting it to what you want to, to cultivate. And then eventually you can leave your full-time job and if it works, right? Because I think a lot of people, they take the leap and they're like, I'm quitting my job and I'm doing my own thing. But then they haven't actually tested what they're doing. So this book is all about giving you those tools and teaching you the importance of, you know, learning and, and doing your business before you take the leap and quit your full-time job. Brilliant. And have you got the names of the authors for those two books? Yeah, The 10% Entrepreneur is written by Patrick McGinnis. And the What Color Is Your Parachute is written by um, Richard Nelson Bowles, B-O-L-L-E-S. Fantastic. So they should be available on Amazon if anyone yes. wants to find those. Brilliant. So the next question is, um, so... If you were to name the best purchase for, you know, say, £50, $75 that you've made in the last few months um, that's had the biggest impact on your life, what would it be? <laughs> um, 
it would be my juicer. So I really, I really believe in the importance of healthy body, healthy mind, healthy health, like health is wealth. That's really my mantra. So I've been, I, I don't know how many people, um, really do this, but I've noticed that having a juice, a fresh juice in the morning and juice, having green juices, ginger, all these different types of, um, different nutrients, different fruits and vegetables has helped me kind of jumpstart my day. So the juicer itself, I think it was like 75, maybe 60. And it was a worth it investment because every day I start my morning with that intention of fueling my body with tons of nutrients and feeling really strong so that I can do my best in business. Fantastic. And if you were to be able to turn back the clock and advise your 18 year old self, what would you advise yourself? Hmm. What would I advise my 18 year old self? I would advise my 18 year old self to just believe, just believe in something, believe in a higher power or believe in some sort of universe actions of the universe that everything was going to be okay and that things were going to do go well if you try your absolute best. I think that it's easy to want to control everything and that's sort of what we're taught in school. It's what we're taught at work, you know, control as much as you can. But I think you also have to believe that everything's going to be okay and you have to have that faith, especially as an entrepreneur. You need to have the knowledge and the belief that everything will be amazing as long as you put the hard work in. Fantastic. Vanna, we're coming to the close now. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can the listeners find out more about you and your business? Um, they can check out my website at vannacutsamidas.com or they can also check out the Date Play website to see updates there. Um, and yeah, I'm always happy to, to help people out on their branding journeys, whether that's personal branding or business branding. So they can always reach out to me through my website. Fantastic. Vanna, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was so much fun and I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you for listening to The Carl Reader Show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and tell your friends. This podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, D&T Advisory, helping you unlock the magic in your business by adding value, not numbers. Find out more at www.team-dt.com. QuickBooks, helping UK small businesses stay on top of their finances.